Welcome back to Down the Rabbit Hole. I'm Sarah. And I'm William. And today we have some fun special guests who I have known for a very long time. Uh, my mom, Dina Bogus, and Karen Confer. Dina is the director of Grace Without Margins, and Karen is the teen parent coordinator in a local program. And both have had experiences working with teen parents. Um, and as some of the listeners know, I was a young parent myself, so my mom has a little bit of extra insight that we are going to talk about today. Obviously, for today's content, we are going to talk about young parent and healthy relationships and all that that entails. So I'm not going to provide any specific trigger warnings, but remember to take care of yourself as you need to and pause the recording and come back when you're ready. So hi, Karen and Dina. Hi. Hi. Hi, William. <laughs> Uh, so we always like to start these conversations off with a little bit of get to know you time. Um, so our first question uh, is a, one of our standard ones. Uh, it's how did you get into the work that you're doing? So I've been with the teen parent program since 2001. And at that time, I was actually working in foster care and just happened to hear about the job with Round Rock School District. And I felt very drawn to the position. I was a teen parent myself, so it felt very much like a good fit and almost a calling for me. And um, I applied for the position and I got it. And I have loved it every year more and more since I've been there. This is my 20th year. So um, that's kind of how how my journey started working with young parents. Quick follow-up question. What does your work look like? Oh, wow. So we, we are basically a dropout prevention program and we provide support services so that students have everything that they need in order to successfully complete high school. So I do individual counseling with students, help them find resources for they need for themselves and their babies. And we do parenting groups. We do a lot of parent education through group and through special events and support families. That's often on a crisis-oriented basis, more in the beginning uh, when we're trying to stabilize everything for the students to have a good start to this journey. And we communicate with teachers and counselors and advocate for students' needs and really just we're there to provide whatever support that we're able to. Our program also offers a homebound program after girls deliver babies. Uh, and we have a child care center that is free for students to use. And um, so we just try to remove all barriers uh, that would keep students from successfully finishing high school. That's awesome. I We're going to talk a little bit about how things have changed in a little bit, but Corey and I have been watching that show, Reba, <laughs> and I have not watched it in a long time, but it was just funny because like the first two episodes are about the daughter getting pregnant and the school ultimately wanting to kick her out for it because they didn't want a bad reputation. And so I love to hear that there are programs now like yours that do empower young parents to finish their high school career. Yeah, it, it's so important. And to be clear, you don't just work with the moms, you work with all parents. True. We work with teen moms and teen dads. And just one more question. Is that a common program through ISDs throughout Texas, or is it something that's more unique to maybe the larger school systems? Well, I would say we are um, 
one of the most, if not the most comprehensive programs in our area. Not all programs have childcare. Not all programs have representation on all campuses. For some school districts, they have someone who is a contact for students who are pregnant or parenting, but they may not have a full program. And there were more programs like ours back before, I think it was 2011, that the legislature cut a bunch of funding uh, to school districts and a lot of programs went away at that point, but ours survived. And so we've been able to continue all the services that that we had been. We have a lot of students who will move into our district uh, because of the services we have because they need free childcare in order to be in school. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, Dina, how did, how did you come to your work in this space? Well, not in such an organized fashion as Karen did. But um, when I was 22, I moved out to California to be near my boyfriend. And I start, I met a group of people and started actually meeting with prostitutes in Hollywood um, to just encourage them and show them there was a different path in life. And um, I was kind of struck by their perception of what relationships should look like because they had not been exposed to anything different than that. So um, we had some great discussions and built some good friendships there. And as I was doing that, I was looking for a job and stumbled upon an opportunity to lead a teen parent program. So I started doing that. And I think my initial desire was I had been raised in a home where civil rights were very important. My dad was had met Martin Luther King and was very involved in that movement. And then he helped with um, the background work of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So I had a lot of experiences. I was I was growing up and we were always kind of rooting for the person who just needed support and just needed someone to believe in them. So when that opportunity came across, I was very excited about it. So I joined with a school program that I I would go and meet the girls while they were in school. Their children were cared for so they could finish um, their high school education. And then I did programs after school. And that just kind of mostly involved getting them in touch with resources that they need needed. Most of them did not have parental support, so they felt very alone, um, really, really wanted to be great moms, but they just needed some resources. So I wish I could go back and do it again because I know a lot more at 60 than I did at 22, but a great experience and so thankful for it. Thank you both for sharing. Um, So the other thing that we do is a fun question, a fun icebreaker question. And this is this is one of our our gold standards. We did it for most of the first half of our episodes. It's do either of you have any strong food opinions, something you really like, something you really dislike, making something a certain way could be anything. Well, I love cheesecake, but I can no longer have it. <laughs> so I told my husband, if I'm, if I'm ever about to go out, get me a piece of cheesecake and I'll enjoy it. So I miss that greatly. I don't know. That's probably the strongest one. Well, I um, I really like chocolate chip cookies that are not quite all the way cooked. <laughs> family there's a running joke in my family about that but that's like my favorite dessert ever so very strong feelings and the 
other end of the spectrum is I really don't like jalapenos. <laughs> and people think that's so odd. I, uh, you know, if I'm in a restaurant and I order something that has jalapenos, I always say, uh, no jalapenos, please. And I just cannot like the spicy flavor of them. So that's totally fine. You like what you like. And on the chocolate chip cookie note, something, it's not necessarily a strong food opinion, but it's something that I like. Um, and that my mom, because she loves me, does for me, is when she is making chocolate chip cookies, she will, before she puts the chocolate chips in, she will take some of the batter out. Um, and so technically, I guess they're not chocolate chip cookies. I call them chocolate chip cookies without the chocolate chips, um, but they're like brown sugar cookies. And I really like them. I do love a chocolate chip cookie. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, just a, a brown sugar cookie, I guess. Um, How interesting. <laughs> my, my sister and my brother make fun of me, but I just, I really like them. It is good. And it is different than like a non-chocolate chip cookie. So I, I have had so many people that are like, isn't that just a sugar cookie? And I'm like, absolutely not. It's no, not it's different. I will say for a long time, but Chloe went to be with my friends one time when we, Corey and I went out or something and my friend pulled out a cookie dough because it was like the break and bake cookie dough. And she like puts it on a baking sheet and puts it in the oven. And Chloe was so confused. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? My friend said making cookies. And Chloe was like, well, but that's not what you do. You just pull it out of the fridge and start eating it because our stuff never makes it into the actual oven <laughs> the cookie dough that's funny that's awesome well thank you both for sharing like sarah said we're gonna talk about teen parents uh, today and what some resources are for them and what some of the challenges and barriers are so what are some of the biggest challenges that y'all see that teen parents face and it can be in any sector um doesn't have to be anything in particular, just some of the biggest challenges? You know, I think some of the biggest challenges I see are uh, certainly working in the school system, the the art of balancing school and parenting. You know, our education system, it, it's not really set up for students who need to be out in the morning for morning sickness or gone for kids' doctor's appointments or things like that. So, um, so it, it's a definite balancing act, you know, in terms of the school day and absenteeism and just all, all the things that go into it, homework, things like that. So um, so that's one barrier like our challenge that we see. You know, there's also family stress. Uh, you know, I mean, it's teen, I always say teen pregnancy isn't just an issue for the teen. It's an issue for the whole family. And um, so there can be a lot of stress that goes on, you know, certainly when a pregnancy is revealed and even ongoing with uh, generational parenting and you know things have changed often from when the when the parent was parenting little ones and so um you know sometimes it's hard for our teens to really have a voice when it comes to parenting along with their with their parents i also see relationship stresses and in co-parenting um, financial stress navigating systems that they uh have to be a part of um, expectations that they know things that maybe they're not developmentally prepared for, uh, some fear of asking questions because of scrutiny, um, which reminds me judgment and stereotype. Like that's, that's a huge challenge that teen parents deal with. 
Some teen parents have trouble finding childcare. You know, there's a social isolation aspect. Those are just the top ones that I can think of. I think uh, my group was just in a certain area of town. And I think some of the biggest stresses were one, financial, and two, to look at the bigger picture. Most of them had come from a situation um, that was the same as theirs. Their mother had them very young and then they had children very young. And so their worldview was very small. So I just got so fueled by, oh, but you can do this, you can do that and helping them believe in themselves and look past graduating from high school. What are your possibilities after that? I, I didn't get to work with the dads very much. They, there really weren't very many around. Um, so it was mostly the moms. And I think they, I think their biggest struggle in a way was just believing in themselves and yes, it's hard in the moment, but there's more ahead for you and it's going to, you know, the possibilities are endless. So just helping them finish their initial goals of finishing high school was a priority, setting some long-term goals that they could get in a better situation financially. uh, And then mostly just listening to them when they had so much heartache over Many of them, their parents didn't speak to them anymore and said, you're on your own. And just seeing the despair they felt from that was was a lot for them and to help just to listen to them and help them understand that they were still valuable and still had opportunities in front of them. Which is, I think, I think is a great kind of more information on that judgment stigma that young parents face. That's so complicated. And I think it's a lot more complicated than we tend to recognize because I think But often like we can just say, like, ignore those messages, ignore like the harmful things that you hear and just keep doing what you need to do. But those messages get so Mm -hmm. complex and so complicated that it can be overwhelming. And if you talk about like the heartbreak from the parents, there can be heartbreak with the partner or heartbreak with friends. And it's just a lot more complicated than we think. I do have one question. I kind of wanted to hear y'all's opinion on this. I know when I did the teen parent program that I was a part of, one thing that I experienced and I know other teen parents experienced was medical oppression and like not being heard and not being treated as the parent. Um, I heard some awful stories about a, you know, baby that was taken from the mom and taken into like the ICU for babies. And um, she kept questioning what was happening and they told her not to worry about it because she was too young and couldn't handle it, but she was still the mom. And so that was a very common theme that I have heard from young parents. And I was curious on y'all's thoughts on that too. I think we, we see that a lot as well, where teens are they're not seen as they're not seen as the parent you know their opinions are overlooked because the medical professionals or the adults in the room don't don't think that they're able to make appropriate decisions and so often they they end up not not stating their opinions because they feel like it doesn't matter and so i you know that's that's something we really work to do is to help our our students have a voice to be able to say what they want for their children and to know that that their opinion matters. They are the parent. And so they get to make the decisions. You know what I think is interesting about that, Karen? I was just thinking back to I'm 60. My mom is 80. And in her generation, it was very common that that women had children, 7, 18, 19, 20. And they were treated as the parents more then. And there was an attitude of, 
there was nothing shocking about being a young parent. Whereas today we impose a whole lot of assumptions on people that they're not able to raise a child. And and it used to be so common. Nowadays, it's people are waiting until 30s, even 40s sometimes to have children. So I think our expectations and our limitations on people have changed over the years. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, people forget that years ago, uh, women had children much younger and they were seen as perfectly capable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so now the pendulum has swung and so so it takes a lot of work for first teen moms and dads to feel like they have a voice. A couple months ago, William and I had a episode with another coworker, Krista, and we talked about maternity and domestic violence. And I think we had a small conversation around this about like working with medical providers about like empowering and not just shutting down voices. So and I think that goes with a lot of adults in the lives of young parents of educating to teach and help and support and not just to shutting the voices down, um, which is a lot of what you were saying too, Karen. Yeah, we always want to help them to know that it's okay to ask questions. Like when they go to the doctor's office, a lot of times they don't want to ask questions because they don't want to look like they don't know. And so, you know, we really encourage them to ask the questions. It's, it's okay. Um, you know, you, you want a better understanding and you deserve that doctor's time as much as any other parent that's there with their child. Just on that, I think like I think of my my little sister is uh, she's 18 now, but um, she and her friends, they don't like to talk to people like like face to face. Like they don't want to order the pizza. They want to order it all online. They don't want to like make their own doctor's appointments. They want to do it online. And then it's that like conversation barrier. So I think a lot of the like technology has prevented those like communication skills from developing a lot of the times. Absolutely. I know I've sat with students before when I've said, well, you know, would you like to call your doctor's office here from my office and and ask that question? And, you know, sometimes there's a look of fear and they're like, well, what do I say? Who do I what do I ask? Who do I ask for when I when they answer the phone? They don't make phone calls anymore. And so there's a lot of coaching around that that helps them to to feel like they can do it. Yeah, yeah. I also wonder um, when we're talking about challenges, do you either of you um, see or have any perspective on some of the challenges between things that teen moms face versus teen dads, like different challenges that they encounter? Well, I certainly see, you know, I see teen dads sometimes that feel like they have to leave school because they have a lot of pressure to make money. Um, to support this baby. And so I think there are a lot of financial demands. That's just one thing, uh, but one of the biggest things. And with moms, because the pregnancy is visible, they're experiencing, you know, more of the judgment and and often shame. And so kind of the emotional into all of that can be can be a big challenge for girls. Yeah. And I think that's important to acknowledge that Often there there is there are there are plenty of pressures for teen dads, right? But the the burden of that stigma often lands on the mom, and and I think just more broadly how our society treats men and women, not just teens, but um, women experiencing more shame around sex and sexual activity and sexuality than men do often. Um, not always, certainly, but. Um, 
men kind of can can talk about sexual conquest in a way that women can't. And so I think that those broader societal things kind of feed down into that specific teen parent situation. I, I wish I had had more opportunity to work with the young men, but I, I didn't have that opportunity. But sometimes I often wondered, what are they feeling? Are they feeling left out? Or are they feeling like this is too much? I can't be involved. I don't know what the circumstances were. I only knew one dad that mostly I just knew things from the mother and um, he was abusive and it became a point that I had to get involved with CPS and it was, um, it was, it was very hard, (laughs) became a very difficult situation. And I mostly just really wanted to reach out to him, but he felt uncomfortable because he knew I had made a call. And so it got very complicated after that. But I was just kind of wondered how, how could I make that connection? But the program was set up such that it was just moms in the classroom, not dads, and their children were next door. And then we had a house where we would provide pregnancy tests and they would come there, but it was always the moms that came there. So Um, I didn't get to spend that much time with them. Well, and I think that's definitely a gap that we still have is not, not a ton of support for teen dads. And I, I, I've worked with some young dads and they expressed that too. It was hard to find those services because it was primarily set up for the moms. But that does lead me into another question is, you know, we all know that dating violence and domestic violence impacts people of all ages and in different relationships. And I was curious too, like, how does domestic violence or dating violence impact young couples and young families? Well, I know one girl that struggled with it. And I think sometimes when you're young, you don't recognize what it is when it's happening because there's a lot of steps that happen before actual domestic violence. There can be emotional abuse. And so I think it's hard to recognize when you're young. I think it's hard when, to recognize when you're older as well. Yeah, I I agree with all that Dina just said. Um, And I think to add to it that, you know, some of some of the families that I work with, like there's been generational abuse. So sometimes the teen doesn't really recognize it as wrong. It's, you know, they have they've kind of seen these things and, you know, some cultural norms that can play into it as well. But Definitely with the pregnancy, it adds, I think, to the social isolation that can feed into uh, into violent relationships and definitely the stress of that, you know, for I think for the moms that the dad has the freedom to leave if he chooses and um, that can cause a lot of relationship issues. Another thing, the teens may not know each other very well. You know, sometimes I have to make myself stop and remember that these parents may have been dating a month, you know, or something before they became pregnant. And so um, they don't have a solid foundation for their relationship to really know each other and communicate well. Uh, So that can definitely play into situations where conflict can turn violent. Two comments slash questions. The first is... Karen, this may be more of a question for you since you're like currently working with young people in these situations. Is there still a pressure for young people to get married? I feel like there's this trope and and it 
didn't start as a trope, but like in media and stuff, it's like, if you get a girl pregnant, you got to marry her. And, and there's, there's just this pressure, like, right. Like you'll make an honest woman out of her, right. Like that whole concept. Is that still a pressure that young parents face to get married? You know, interestingly, I'd have to say, I, I don't see that as a pressure very often. You know, very few of our, the teen parents that I work with get married you know, certainly there are some who do and and maybe because of family pressure or, you know, feeling like that's the right answer. But for the most part, I don't I don't see them feeling pressured to get married. I was, I was just wondering. Yeah. So my other thought is I wonder I'm thinking about how all of the pressures and and responsibilities and and stressors that come along with teen parenthood and how often as adults, we forget the other pressures that teenagers are under. Being a teen is hard. Like just, I mean, sans parenthood, it is, it's hard to balance school and your family and your extracurriculars and your job. If you've got one, teens are busy people. um, And I think often as adults, we label teens as like lazy and they sleep all the time and like whatever, but, you think about all the things that they're doing and and they're still developing, like their brains are still developing, their bodies are still developing. And then you layer parenthood on top of that. And it's, it's a lot. You make a really good point. And I, I think that's, that's a problem for most teens. You know, they, I always say, you know, the teens that I work with are working harder than any other student in the building, you know, to to be at school, to get kids ready, to get there, to try and get homework done while you have, you know, a toddler who's getting into things, you know, and then sometimes there will be teachers or, or parents saying, you know, they're lazy. They don't they just don't want to do it when when they're they're not They're You know, they're they're working harder than than anyone. Uh, so I always want to advocate for those facts that that they are hardworking. I was thinking about what you said about just developmentally, you know, they they are teens. And and so when someone is saying, well, they're not doing this or they're not doing that correctly about parenting, sometimes we have to remind people that they are teens. They're not you know, they they need our help often to to learn not to be judged and so you know we we find people expecting them to be adults overnight and it's just not developmentally appropriate and so we we advocate for for the fact that they are teens and becoming a parent doesn't make you automatically an adult overnight i also got to say you know having a kid at 19 and then having another kid at like i can't do math in my head 20 26 it's still hard, you know, and like parenting is just in general hard, even if you've been through it before or you are older or whatever. You know, I have fr- I have conversations with friends, too. They're like, I don't I don't know what to expect with parenthood. I don't want to have kids until I'm ready. And I'm like, I don't know that you're ever like fully ready because kids are so they're fun, but they're crazy. And so it is a lot of hard work. And every time you get used to one stage, they grow out of it and get into another one. And it's hard too. And so like compiling that with everything you guys said, it's just hard. Yeah. I think even, even them going through their own different stages, every child is so different. So the things that you think you figured out on the first one, they're not necessarily going to work on the second one. 
So it's, there's always a learning curve. We don't like go to school to learn how to be a parent. It's, you're just kind of thrown in the sink or swim. And I think it's just important to have mentors in our life and have some educational tools and to cut ourselves some slack as parents, because every stage is different. Every child is different. And cut each other some slack as parents too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think also validating that this is hard for any parent. This isn't because you're a teen. You know, being a first time mom is challenging for anybody. Absolutely. And I that's why we, you know, and prevention educators throughout Texas really promote these conversations around healthy relationships too. not even just about parenting, but healthy relationships where dating or friends or family. And that can include our own kids, because if we know what a healthy relationship looks like and we have tools and techniques that can make it a little easier, or at least we can have some, you know, some tools. But yeah, I think also that the temptation is once once a a young person gets pregnant or becomes a teen parent there's a temptation to say that they not that they're a lost cause but that they can't benefit from prevention education anymore since they already have a parent it's like they still need healthy sex education they still need those relationship skills and to know what a healthy relationship like it's not just because they they've already had sex or because they've become a parent that they don't need it anymore they still need those healthy educations adults full-blown adults with or without kids still need healthy education uh, healthy relationship education um so i think that's often a temptation or a, or a knee-jerk reaction that folks have to young parents is that well they know um, and it's like, well, they, they don't, they, they may not, they may know, I guess, but they, they can still benefit from prevention, messaging and um, resources. I feel like we've talked a lot about like challenges or negative things. And I, prevention may be a good segue into talking about what healthy support for teen parents looks like. What does it look like? I can start on that. I think just non-judgmental support helping teen parents feel supported, listening to their stories, validating their experiences, being excited with them. You know, there may, maybe everyone else in their life is telling them this is a horrible thing and they just really need someone who can be excited about this baby that's coming. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the first step toward helping them have a healthy attachment to this baby that's growing inside. So I think, you know, that that's a big part of the support that they need and that, you know, we're able to provide, certainly helping them find resources, uh, providing motivation to continue with school and and to see what their future can look like, you know, helping them to see there's there is a way to do this. Um, it, it's it's going to take some hard work, but there are paths that you can take as a teen parent to do anything and everything you wanted to do before you got pregnant. So, you know, lots of educating, motivating, listening, and, and certainly advocating for them. I kind of wrote down uh, kind of similar things to what Karen is saying, but they, they deserve the support that all parents deserve. They deserve to dream and feel those dreams are attainable. They deserve to be treated with respect. Uh, they deserve an education. They deserve to have their children loved and supported just like every other child. And then I think it's great when they have someone 
older than them to mentor them and encourage them along the way. And then to just celebrate when their accomplishments, when they meet their accomplishments, to celebrate with them and uh, encourage, them, encourage them to keep moving forward, both for themselves and for their children. And I might be a little biased here, but I, you know, I've known my mom forever, obviously, and Karen for a long time. And I feel like y'all are both such good examples of what true support looks like. Um, When I got pregnant, I was terrified to tell my mom, but I also knew that that support was there and that, um, that relationship was there too. And, you know, what there was, it was a hard moment for a little bit, I think for both of us. But I had no doubt that I could do what I wanted and achieve what I wanted. Um, And, you know, here I am 11 years later about to graduate with my master's. And I think that that is such a good example of how supporting young parents and what that like how that is possible and why it's so important. I have a beautiful, healthy uh, daughter and um, just seeing her grow in that support and that love has been really cool as well. And I don't think I fully realized for a long time how how difficult it can be for some people. I know my own experience and it was hard, but I had that support and I had people to fall back on. And that's not the case for everybody. And I think that's why it's so important for me to have these conversations because it should be the case for everybody. And everybody, like you said, mom, <laughs> like you said, it's um, everyone deserves that support and everyone deserves that education and motivation and um, listening, like you said, Karen. And so young people aren't negated from that. I think there's with or without kids and babies, I think we often dismiss young people's relationships. And when there's a heartbreak, we say there's plenty of fish in the sea, like go find the next person or you're so young, you don't even know what kind of person you want to end up with. And so we, we dismiss these relationships a lot. And then when the baby's there as well, we can be even more dismissive as a culture. And so really promoting healthy support and healthy education and creating that culture change for young parents is crucial. I remember uh, the day that Sarah told me very clearly, and I guess as she told me, the whole world stopped. And I think as parents, sometimes right or wrong, we we have this whole image of what we think our child's life should be like. This is going to happen, then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. And I've learned over the years, we really don't have the right to do that. It is their life. And there are going to be different opportunities that come along that will probably take them to a better path than we had ever thought about planning for them. But I was concerned about, is she going to be able to have all the opportunities I had hoped for her? But I also knew it was going to be okay. I knew we're going to love this child and be excited. And um, Sarah's going to continue developing herself. And I think my biggest fear was that people would judge her and put her in a box she could never get out of, that she was the teen mom. And that's all she was. And I wanted so badly for nothing was going to change the opportunities for her. It just might be a little bit harder or maybe along a different path. And I'm just so proud of who Sarah is. And I think a lot of the reason why I'm proud of her is (laughs) because she can empathize with so many different people on so many different paths. And she knows what it's like to overcome. She knows what it's like to pursue. And she did that not only for herself, but for her daughter as an example. And I, I just don't think we should limit any women 
regardless of their age, their economic situation, their race, their whether they're stay-at-home moms or career moms, I think sometimes we put women in boxes and don't allow them to be more than that. So I think that was my biggest fear. And I think initially some people did react that way. <laughs> and now they're seeing Sarah for who she really is and all the different dimensions of who she is. Sarah, this is uh, not on the plan. So if you don't want to answer it. <laughs> okay. um, Sarah, I'm wondering your experience now, like as, as a, an adult who shares your story relatively often, you've shared it on this podcast. Um, what are people's reactions? Do you still feel some of that maybe judgment or stigma, you know, years later when you, when you disclose that you were a teen parent, are you still hesitant to do that in some spaces? I'm, I would not say I'm hesitant because I did experience that judgment and that shame. Uh, and it was really, it was overwhelming. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't want that for younger people. And I don't want that, you know, for my daughter or my son or their kids or their friends. And I, I want it to be different. And so normalizing successful young parenthood, I think, is important to me because I was told by some people that I couldn't do, I couldn't go to school. I couldn't go to college. I couldn't be a good mom, my friends, older people as well. And, and that was really hard. And I specifically remember Chloe was pretty little and I, it was hard. I mean, I had postpartum depression, didn't know what that was. So retroactively, I know that, but I, I was just so sad and I was like, maybe they're right. Maybe I can't do any of this. And that was a really low point for me. But then I had all the support and I was like, you know what, <laughs> that's not true. And just because we have these harmful messages doesn't mean they're right, because those people who are saying that didn't know me and they didn't know the things I had already overcome, but they didn't know who I was then either. And so, you know, I'm very I would say I'm very privileged in the family that I have and the support that I have. I forgot your original question, but <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm not shy about it because because of that support and that love that I had and other people should have and should have that support because we are here and my daughter is very well adjusted and she's amazing and she's incredible and she's so smart. And I get to prove all those wrong messages wrong. So I do think it is important to acknowledge where I came from, acknowledge the people that supported me to get where I am now and to celebrate where I am now too. I think that actually sets us up for a good segue into our the way we've been ending a lot of our episodes recently um, into hopes and dreams. So Dina, Karen, Sarah, wh whoever wants to go first, what are your hopes and dreams for teen parents? You know, I think my hopes and dreams for teen parents are that they would feel valued and acknowledged for the hard work that they're doing and that they're they're good parents. They're, they um, are becoming contributors to society. Uh, so I think, I think just, you know, breaking down the stereotypes, is, that in a way sums up my hopes and dreams that, um, that, that teen parents wouldn't be looked at the way they often are. Yeah, I, I think having the resources that are needed and 
coping skills for stress and communication and education on healthy relationships, that, that those are things that are um, readily available for all teen parents to be able to have that kind of support. I think our world and our society and our culture all need a little more grace. We all have struggles. We all have things that are difficult. We all need support. And and yet we find ourselves judging a certain group of people based on one thing. And so I think just being a kinder and more compassionate and more supportive world, it, it makes me sad that teens can feel so defeated so young and they should have all the opportunities in front of them that every other teen does. I'm going to take mine more systemically because <laughs> uh, I, I would agree with both of what you said, but also going back to the conversation about like medical oppression that teens face and just a lot of struggles in, within the systems that we kind of swing that pendulum back in the middle and we start helping and educating and supporting and not just dismissing and um, not listening to their voice, but that we can you know, doctors will explain things a little bit better and give the options and choices and walk them through and really help them understand. Um, and that parents can do that as well. And whatever that capacity looks like too. What about you, William? My hopes and dreams are one, that more people across the country embrace comprehensive sex education, because I think it's important that young people understand their bodies and understand sex and understand consent. Additionally, I kind of blending Karen and Dina's things together is that I want young people to feel valued. I want young parents to feel empowered and worthy that like, just because they're, they're a teen parent, just because they had sex before they were married, whatever the, the stigma that they're facing is, they are still a worthy, valuable person and deserve to be seen as such. So those are my hopes and dreams. What a good one to end it on, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Dina and Karen, mom and Karen, I, I don't know what to call you on here. It's fine. Um, I, I do appreciate you being here and having this conversation with us. There's so many more things we could touch on. And a couple I was like, oh, I wish we had talked about that, but that's OK. But I do appreciate your time and I appreciate your work and your support for me and also for all the other young parents that you've helped throughout your lives. Well, thank you. I enjoyed talking about this topic and I guess I would just hope that uh, if a teen parent is listening or the mother of a teen parent, that you'll just feel encouraged and great things can come from this. And, you know, just cut yourself some slack when you need it. Seek support from people that, you know, will be will champion for you. And just don't don't limit the situation. I'm very grateful for my daughter and granddaughter and all that they have accomplished. It's been a neat journey to watch and be part of. On that note, real quick, there are resources to help. So feel free to reach out to our prevention email, which is in the episode description, and we can get you connected with some local resources. Sarah and William, thank you so much for the work that y'all do. And, um, and thank you so much for having me today. I wholeheartedly agree with all that Dina said. And yeah, I just want uh, parents of teen parents and teen parents to know that there is help, there is support. There are people who will encourage and love and support you. And on that, we will see y'all back next week for another episode. Bye. Bye.